Luke, Luke in chapter number one. We'd like to read seven verses responsibly this morning in two different sections. We'll read verses one through four. Allow me to read verses one and three. Would you read with me, please, verse two and four? And then we'll give instruction to the next three verses in a moment. Luke chapter one. And verses 1 through 4, and reading responsibly. Forasmuch as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things, from the very, very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. And if you would go over to verse number 31 of the same chapter, verses 31, 32, and 33, we read with me, please, verses 31 and 33. Ready, begin. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. And now, Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, I pray that you might speak to every heart within the sound of this voice. Use your word this morning to speak to us. Lord, may we go away from here with a desire to put you on the throne of our life, and we'll thank you for it. Lord, I pray you bless now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Luke in chapter number one this morning. Just for the record, I intend on going back to a serious type of preaching messages come the beginning of the next year, of course, 2020. And we have our theme picked out for 2020. I'm excited about it, like every theme that we've had for many different years. And, and uh, we look forward to 2020 if we get there, we barring rapture. And uh, so we'll go back to serious messages. But uh, uh, this morning, I don't mind telling you this message was birthed about 48 hours ago. And I'll explain why here in a few moments or how. We have a text verse. It's Luke chapter 1, verse number 32. Luke 1 and verse 32. The angel said, And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him, that's Jesus Christ, the throne of his father David. I have a question this morning for you. What game of thrones are you enthralled with? What kingdom are you playing in? Some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. Some of you don't have HBO. But uh, I was confronted this past week with a world, admittedly, I know very little about, in fact, nothing about. I was going to preach a message on faith this morning, but I aborted it. That, I'm going to do that tonight, Lord willing, the absolute necessity of faith. But Lord gave me this message in kind of rapid-fire succession, most of it yesterday morning, of all things, as I was reading Luke chapter 1. But earlier in the week, I had I'd forced myself to read an expose, a Christian periodical, on the 
television series, 2011 television series of Game of Thrones. I had to look up online and find out some things about this, but I'm reading from the article now that there's tens of millions of Americans that are enamored with the HBO television series starting in 2011 again. It's the all-time greatest uh, show in HBO history. Uh, this spring, there was a premiere, the eighth episode of the opening season, and 19.6 million viewers tuned in to watch the opening episode. That's 20 million American homes that, uh, that watched HBO and watched Game of Thrones. Uh, there are at least eight different online game versions of the show with tens of millions of players in the U.S. as well as worldwide. I read the Christian periodical concerning Game of Thrones, and I quote from it now, quote, it's a Dungeon and Dragons fantasy based on series of, a series of novels by George R. Martin, detailing endless intrigues between warring families who rule mythical kingdoms, dot, 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 for time's sake, fueled by gruesome murders, wrenching betrayals, and casual, brutal, or multiple couplings. Every season ups the body count, while the plot circles around, and I underlined this in my notes here, an empty moral cortex. This originator of these novels, this guy by the name of Martin, last name George Martin, he's coined as the anti-Tolkien of the, the uh, Lord of the Rings series, of course. Without reading the entire article, which would take several minutes to do, and I don't want to bore you with the details, the article synopsis of Game of Thrones is this, and I quote again, it's a visual eye fest of blood, guts, and lots of skin. I didn't write it, I just reading it. And we have today, I, I, as I said, I forced myself to read this article because I really have no interest in this subject other than how it related to the Word of God in my mind. But we have millions of millennials, not just millennials, by the way, Generation Xers and, uh, yes, even baby boomers, that are evidently hooked on this show, and then there are 20 million of them that tune into the first episode, and then the online game versions, eight different game versions, I understand, that they, they live, eat, and breathe. They, they, this is part of their world. Yesterday, I, I know I have a number of bad habits still in my life. One of my bad habits is I have my radio turned into tuned to my AM dial to 610 and 1080. And I listen to talk radio when I'm in the car. I probably should listen to Christian radio. I've ch I did 104.9. I have that tuned in my speed dial button, of course, too. But So I heard yesterday morning, I forced myself to listen to it. On 1080, there was a Mr. Tough guy. And I forget his name. He's something tough. He's a MMA uh, wrestler or other uh, fighter cage they, they fight in cages now I've seen this advertised on television they've been doing the fastest growing sport in the world according to this guy is cage fighting is uh, MMA fighting uh, again I, I know very little about this world but I listen to the man and there's you can go to Mohegan Sun if you pay $79 or $89 $99 you can get a ticket to one of the upcoming events that are taking place when I was listening to this and I put in my mind what I heard about or what I read about Game of Thrones, 
it became evident to me that people are living their lives in a fantasy world, in a, the world of their choosing. And their goal is to sit on the proverbial throne to conquer some mystical kingdom and to wear a 10-inch gold belt, championship belt, as the meanest beast in the cage, if you know anything about this MMA wrestling. This Game of Thrones is, uh, is taking Americans by storm. There's no doubt about it. 20 million. Do you think we'll have 20 million Christians in fundamental churches across America and churches across the land this morning? I doubt it. That's a good segment of our population that are living in this world. But I still get enthralled with another throne. I want you to notice verse number 32 again. Bible says, and he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. One day King Jesus is coming to this earth and he's going to sit on a literal throne in the new Jerusalem. I don't know how that's all going to work, but it's going to be a thousand year reign. And even though 75% of all of, of, uh, of Jews across the 14 plus million Jews are claimed to be atheists or agnostics, I want you to know that 75% uh, one day that all the, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and he'll sit on the throne of, of the new Jerusalem. I, I, for one, look forward to that. I'm enthralled by the fact that my King Jesus is coming to this earth and going to reign forever and ever on this earth and then in the world to come. I love, contrary to those that have the video game craze, whether it be Game of Thrones or others, I love reading about the kingdom. I love meditating about the one who sits upon the throne. In fact, I get consumed with, I get lost, if I could use that phrase, in the mysteries of the unsearchable riches of his grace. Now, I'm not a scholar, but I just want to explain how this message was birthed in about 15 minutes yesterday, and I'm being very transparent with you. It took me several hours to put the bones on, as I call it, but the skeleton of the outline came rapid fire and it came as I began to read Luke chapter 1. And as I began to read verses 1 through 3, just for the record, I don't want to sound like Mr. Scholar, but I've read through the Word of God dozens and dozens of times, some 32 times officially, and hundreds of thousands of hours of study in the Word of God, thousands of messages I've heard, thousands of messages I've preached. What I'm trying to say humbly without sounding braggadocious, I know the Gospel of Luke pretty well. In fact, as I read the first verses in milliseconds, and I do mean milliseconds, my mind went rapid fire through all the account of the Gospel of Luke, and other three Gospels for that matter. And, I, and I, my mind raced, and I enjoyed as I began to meditate. And I, I'm at peace. I may not know anything about Game of Thrones. I had to look on the internet to figure it out. I had to force myself to read an article about Game of Thrones. I had to force myself to listen to seven minutes of radio, but probably mostly worthless, I admit, to hear about cage wrestling, cage fighting. I don't care about that world! But there's another world I care about. Another game that I'm playing. Remember the game, remember, how many remember playing the game of life? Oh, come on, where were the rest of you? The game of life, you know, you get the little car, you know, you got the little squiggly board and so forth, you know. If you're a man, you get to marry a woman. If you're a woman, you get to marry a man. If you're, if you're lucky, you know. And then you get to have kids in your car. Remember the kids? 
And then you get to choose your, your path of life, whether it be vocational or going to be college, career, and then, then all the pitfalls and all the things that come along in life. Everybody's played the game of life. I would submit to you this morning that we're all playing a game, if I could use liberties, the game of life. Some people are playing the game of thrones by the millions, evidently. Some people are playing the most popular or rather all interested. I guess there's a fight last night on TV. I guess if you paid $69, you get a pay-per-view and you could watch a, a world. And I guess millions of people paid millions of dollars to watch a fight last night. I guess if you want to be in that world, you can. It's a free country, I always say. But I want to give you, I want to ask you a question this morning. Here's the whole message in five questions. What's your game of thrones? What's your game of life? Five questions to answer that question from the text to the word of God, verse number one. Notice with me, verse number one. For as much as many have taken in hand to set it set forth in a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, Luke begins this account. I ask you question number one in regards to your game of thrones, your game of life. Number one, how serious of a player are you? How much do you get into this game that you're playing? And everybody's playing a game, if I could use that phrase. The game of life. We're all in it. Everybody's been in the sound of my voice, you're in it. Whether you want to be or not, you're in it. Some are teenagers here, you're in the game of life. Some are 20-somethings, you're in the game of life. Some are 60-somethings, you're in the game of life. Some are 80-somethings, you're still in the game of life. <laughs> the game of thrones. How serious of a player are you? Notice with me verse number one as we dissect the word of God. For as many as have, have, have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things. Notice the declaration. Notice that very succinctly Dr. Luke is going to spell out for the next 24 chapters. He's going to spell out in detail in a declaration, in a declarative statement. Succinctly, he's going to talk about this, the, this Word of God, the Word of God that became flesh and dwelt among us, and he's going to pen the Word of God. I want you to consider letter A on our worksheet. In regards to being a serious player in the game of life or the game of thrones, be succinct about it. Be specific about it. Be, be accurate about it. You know, the Word of God is perfect. The Bible says this Word of God that we have here, this Gospel of Luke, is perfect. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. I had such an enjoyable time to reading the first chapters of Luke yesterday. And it's profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Psalm says the law of the Lord is perfect. How about that? Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. More to be desired are they than gold. I like gold, by the way. Yea, the much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. But meditate upon the word of God, how wonderful the word of God is. It's a perfect word. It's, we ought to be accurate about it. We ought to be succinct about it. Doctrine is important. I need to teach, you know, I wish, and I've said it many hundreds of times, I wish I could be a better storyteller. I wish I could be a jokester. I, don't, I have a hard time telling good stories. I have a hard time t telling jokes and 
Many of you know my best jokes are the ones that I don't try to make as a joke, of course. And, but uh, we need to have doctrine. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Luke said, uh, hey, I'm serious about this game of life, this game of who's on the throne, and I'm going to be succinct about it. I'm going to tell you exactly how and declare exactly how what thus saith the Lord. So he, was, he, he, for one, was succinct about this game of life that he was playing. Not only was he succinct about it, but letter B on our worksheet, he was sure about it. Notice what he says in verse number one again. A declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Second Timothy 1.12, the Bible says, For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. My faith is a no-so faith. My faith is fact. And all God's people said, Amen. it's fact for me. It's not a faith, it's a fact. Jesus came to this earth. The word of God is true. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again the third day, and he's coming again. It's all true. It's all fact. History is, is his story. It revolves 2019 years ago he came to this earth. I... I Laugh at evolution. I mock it. I, in my heart, I mock evolutionists. I, yeah, I do one of two things when I meet an evolutionist. I have pity for their, 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 that's pardon my language. Let me just be blunt. That's stupid. Because it's not science. It's poppycock is what it really is. It's myth. And they have the gall to turn around and say, we, we believe in a myth. They're so arrogant. But most evolutionists, we preach a message on is there a God from Psalm 14 a couple, few weeks ago? Most arrogance are, most evolutionists are just good old-fashioned liars. They say in their heart there is no God. They convince themselves and then they try to convince others. You know, evolution is a new ism, by the way. It's only been around 170 years. It came in, the origin of species was written in 1859. It's only 170 years old. Down through the annals of history, historians and the smartest people in the world knew that God created the heavens and the earth. And here, in verse number one, Luke points out very succinctly this game of life that he's playing, this game of thrones that he's involved with. He says, I know whom I have believed. My faith is found a resting place, not in device nor creed. My faith is a no-so. My faith you need, and everybody else needs it. What am I trying to tell you? I'm, I, for one, am serious about this game of the Christian faith. I'm very serious about it. I think it's the most important endeavor there is. I think Christ is the most important person in, in all of eternity. He is history. He is, it's his story. And so I ask you the question in the game that you're playing. I'm not, I'm not sure what game you're playing. But whatever game you're playing, I ask you question number one. How serious of a player are you? Do you follow the rules exactly? Are you succinct and it's, and it's all about it? And you know all the rules and all the isms and all the characters and all the players? Are you sure about it? Do you know whom you believed in? Question number two, verse number two. Even as they delivered unto them, uh, delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Notice question number two. I ask you this question regards to your throne, your game of thrones, your game of life that you're playing, is your game a fantasy game or a real game? 
a fantasy game or a real game? How many millions of Americans are playing a fantasy, in a fantasy world in their life? They play in a pretend world, a perverted world, a polluted, a polluted world, and for that matter, a pornographic world that leads down the pathway to a real world called hell. You know, it's amazing to me, but everybody, I've had several funerals now again here in the last couple of few months, and everybody that dies goes to heaven, according to most preachers and preacherettes. Just thought I'd throw that in there in case you're wondering. Everybody goes to heaven, but a lot of people don't even believe there is a God and believe there's a heaven, they deny the God of the Bible. They're playing in a fantasy world. God will accept them as they are, supposedly. Nothing they have to do in life. They can live their life any which way they want to. They can live in pollution. They can live in perversion. They can live in a pretend world. They can live in a pornographic world. It doesn't matter. In the end, they're going to go to a wonderful plush heaven. No, they're going to go to hell. But many are living in a fantasy game. Number A, letter A rather, are you role-playing in a fable? You see, 2 Peter 1.16 says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, which were made known unto us by the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You see, many Americans, millions of Americans are following fables. We have 12 presidential candidates that are espousing socialism. Lenin called the followers of that cockamania Useful idiots. I looked up on the definition on the web of what the Lenin's definition of useful idiot was. Here it is, I quote. In political jargon, a useful idiot is a derogatory term for a person perceived as propagandizing for a cause without fully comprehending the cause's goals and who is cynically used by the cause's leaders. And millions of Americans are buying into the idea that there's a president out there that can give us free things by the everything we want free everything and it won't cost a thing except for 46 trillion dollars one is finally admitted that's probably on the low side we live in this world this, this fable world this this world of artificial that that everything's free that everything's okay that everything's wonderful Luke, along with the apostles, didn't spend their lives living in a fantasy world. They were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He declared those things which are most surely believed amongst them. I ask you the question, are you playing in a role fantasy, and a role-playing role game in a fable? Is your life a myth? Are you playing games that are in a life that's, that's a, your own fabrication, your own doing, your own desire? Then letter B on the worksheet... In verse number three, the last part of the verse, it says, or verse number two, excuse me, last part of the verse, eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Are you role-playing in a fable or are you ministering out of, out of fact? You see, verse number four says, that thou mayest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. We have a real faith. We have a real truth. We have fact. There's nothing more real, more important, more eternal than Christ and the Christian faith. This is important. I mean, just metal here. I like football as much as any guy out here. Probably more than most of you guys. But I don't like football at the expense of the house of God. 
And that was good preaching, Marty Schott. Thank you very much. But millions of Christians stayed at home to watch the NFL, watch college football, whatever, well, the NFL on Sundays. And they're staying away from the house of God. It tells me who they love. It tells me what world they live, they live in. We're ministering out of fact. And then question number three, or to ask yourself this question, your game of thrones, how serious of a player are you, number one? How succinct are you about your game? How sure are you about it? What's your, is your game a fantasy game or a real game? Are you role-playing in a fable or are you ministering out of fact? But in verse number three now, it seemed good to me also, having a perfect understanding of all things from the very first. Now, I'd just like to interject before I give you the point. Luke wrote the book of Luke, of course. We believe that he probably wrote Acts as well. The writers, whether it be the Pauline epistles, 14 of them we believe, the Pauline, the Peter, the Petrine epistles, or Peter, yeah, try to say that three times fast. The Peter epistles, there we go. Or the John writings, five books in the New Testament. Or the Moses writings. The authors, we see their personality bleed through as they, they wrote the Word of God. The Word of God is a theanthropic union. I like that name. I just like to say it, so I just, you got to hear it. It's a God-man union. It's written 100% by men, 100% by God. Theanthropic union. And so we see this, this coming from Luke's heart, but it's coming from the Holy Spirit's heart. He's writing not his own words. He's writing words that were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to write. And I ask you question number three. I didn't finish the verse, I will in a moment. Verse three. Question three. How much do you love playing your game? How serious about a player are you? Or do you realize are you playing the fantasy game or are you playing the real game? And then thirdly, how much do you love your game? Are you enlisting others to play in your kingdom, in your game? Go over to verse number 17, same chapter. The Bible says, An angel spoke to Elizabeth and Zacharias, and he, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias. Now, this is a prophecy about John the Baptist that was in the old woman's, pardon my language, womb, Elizabeth's womb, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. The purpose of John the Baptist was to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. His battle cry, John's battle cry would be, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John's purpose in life, John the Baptist's purpose in life was to bring people to Christ. Are you enlisting others to play in your kingdom? Back in verse number five, we first read about Zacharias, the, high, the priest, and then later on about his wife, Elizabeth. They spent their entire lives, they're, they're old men and women at this time in this chapter, Luke chapter 1. And in her old age, she's going to give, Elizabeth's going to give birth to John the Baptist. And their whole life they spent with, in, in anticipation of seeing the one who sits on the throne come. My whole life, I'm 61, the clock's ticking. I've been waiting for the rapture for 40 years. Still hasn't come, I'm hoping it's going to come in my lifetime. I don't want to go by Jordan. That's by death in case you don't know. But I might go by death like everybody else that's gone before me. You might go by death. It probably will go by death if we don't go by rapture. Then we will go by death. 
But I'm looking for him that sits on the throne. I want to see him first. Zacharias and Elizabeth, they lived their whole life wanting to see him that sat on the throne. Nathaniel, in whom there was no guile in John chapter 1, he was found by Philip, one of the, one of the apostles, of course, and, or he'd be one of the, the apostles of the Lord. And it says of Nathaniel, when Nathaniel came to and followed, found Christ, Nathaniel answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. In John chapter 4, we read about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And when she came to Christ, she ran into the city and she told, she said, come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. It's not this the Christ. And the whole city came out to see Jesus Christ. How many people are you enlisting? Are you enlisting others to play in the kingdom? Uh, I have to be careful here. I'm not against some of you are in sales. I'm all for you. I want you to do good in your business, whatever your business is, whatever your occupation is. I want you to, if it's a legitimate organization and occupation, I want you to make money, lots of it. Uh, but I had somebody call me. They've, they call me every six months. and They've been calling me for like, I'm not joking, I think it's been six or seven or eight years. Certain somebody, they wanted me to join this multi-marketing, multi-level marketing company. I, listen, if you sell something, and uh, you're uh, downline or upline or however that works, I'm happy for you. Whether it's Amway or whatever it is, I don't care what it is. Have at it. It's not me. I can't sell. I have no, I don't know how many different ways I have tried to tell this person in a roundabout way, in almost a direct way, in fact, a direct way. I'm not interested. Thank you, but no thank you. I appreciate you. I know it's, yeah, you get it, but we got a great product, and you, you're a pastor, and you could sell this product to people, and people would buy it from you for sure. I'm not interested. What part of this don't you understand? I don't care. It's not me. I'm not going to enlist people to, for this product. It may be the best product in the whole world on this, but I'm not interested. But some people spend their whole life in that game, a marketing game maybe, or whatever game it is. I'm not interested. I want to list people into the kingdom of God. Verse number three, latter part of the verse, notice what it says in verse, the last line of verse three. It says, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. Now, who is Theophilus? The real sophisticated answer, the most accurate answer I can give you is we don't know. He's only mentioned here. Some theologians believe that this could be a, uh, in a, an allegorical term used for all lovers of God. You see, the word Theophilus means lover of God. This book of Luke was written to lovers of God. It was written to people like me and you, if you love God, if you're involved in his kingdom. And so are you enthralled with the hero on the throne? Yesterday I googled, and, you know, Google Game of, Game of, uh, Game of Thrones, and phew, you know what happens on the Internet. And I got to the Wikipedia page, and I got to the, they got the actresses and the starlets and the stars and the starlets and the harlots and all the others were there as well. And they got all these names, all these actors and actresses. And I thought, well, I should write down some of these names so I can act intelligent when I preach on Sunday morning. And I said, phew. I don't care. I don't even know. Don't recognize them. Don't care about them. And then they went into the Emmys and the Oscars. 
And they've won, like, every year they win, like, multiple awards, like 54, 56 some awards they win. I ask you, are you enthralled with the heroes on the throne? Uh, the whole, I ask you the question, who's, who's your hero, singular? Who's your kid's hero or heroes? I'll tell you, I can answer the, kid, answer the question on who your kid's heroes if you let me go into their bedroom. I'll find their heroes on their walls, probably. I know who they love. Now, you may not like that, but that's good preaching for the record. And, but I ask who your hero is. The hero is the one that you are enamored with, the one that you love, the one that you can't get enough of, the one that you adore, the hero. You see, so I ask you the question, thirdly, how much do you love playing your game? Number four and five, I'm trying to hurry. I really am. Verse 33 of our text. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob. This is the one that sits upon the throne of David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, get this, there shall be what, class? No end. No end. Forever. I ask you a question number four. Does it really matter how well you play your game? You see, is your kingdom building temporal? 1 John 2, 17, the world passes away and the lusts thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I guess the eighth, I read enough to read about Game of Thrones, said the eighth uh, series that just, I guess, concluded just, I don't know, some weeks ago, whatever, this year. I guess it was uh, anticlimactic. It was kind of a flop, I guess. Does anybody remember those Game of Thrones enthusiasts? What happened in season seven or season six or season five or, or playing the game that they play on, the, on their cell phones? All that I know is that, by the way, they may be playing real good, their game, but their kingdom is temporal. Their kingdom is a fantasy. Their kingdom doesn't exist. It's in their minds. Let me ask you secondly, letter B, in regards to how well do you play your game or are you, are you kingdom building forever? You see, Matthew 6, 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. I always have to interject this. I'm not against you laying up treasures on earth and trying to, trying to plan for your retirement. Nothing wrong with that. Where moth and rust us corrupt, though, and where thieves do break through and steal. These are Jesus' words, by the way. But lay, not, lay, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, Jesus said. Where moth, neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So I'm listening to talk radio again yesterday afternoon. So I'm on visitation as I left Barbara Paris's house, and I got 1080 on and whatever it is, and... And again, retirement, wealth, income building. And it's like, I'm trying to listen to a little bit of this, but I said, I'm too old, too, too late, too, this, this is not going to work for me. I should have started 30, 40 years ago. You probably feel the same way. Nothing wrong with that. But this world is not my home. I really am just passing through. And I hate to burst your bubble, but so are you. We're just passing through. And so it brings me to my last and fifth question, and we'll summarize and be done. You see, in your game of life, your game of thrones, how serious of a player are you? 
Is your game a fantasy game or a real game? How much do you love playing your game? Does it really matter how well you play your game? Number, number five, fifth question. In the end, will you win or lose your game? Now, for the 14th time, I, by the way, let me tell you a funny, funny story. I'll try to do it in 30 seconds. My cell phone crashed last week, a week and a half ago. For two days, I know, for rats. Yeah. I had done numbers to you call me. Voicemails, I couldn't read the voicemails. I couldn't hear the voicemails. I had to break down and go to Verizon Wireless Shop, you know, right here by, you know where it's at. I walk in, there's a line of two or three people. I wait, you know, half hour, you know how it is. I get there, and it took about an hour. And after about an hour, they said, we can't fix your phone. You've got to go to the, uh, no joke, I have to go to Apple store in West Farms Mall. Did I tell you how much I hate malls? I hate malls, so it's Monday night. Sonny, I got to go to the Apple store. I have no choice. This is not a bash on West Farms Mall. I'm just telling you how it is. I haven't been in there in two years, probably three years, whatever it was. I walk in the mall, it's empty. There's nobody there. I found out why nobody was there because everybody was at the Apple store. <laughs> everybody, they had, I, I'm telling you, I'm not joking, they had 50 workers. I asked the worker, they had 50 workers. It was Monday night. I said, this place is packed. I said to the worker, I had to take a number and he called me back in 45 minutes. You know how that goes. And uh, he said, oh yeah, I see it on weekends. You think this is packed. Five times more people. And, then, and everybody's getting their iPhones fixed or buying new ones or upgrades. Well, I found out, and I hate to tell you this, and maybe this is some of the impetus for the message. I found out why my iPhone crashed. I got grandkids, and their grandkids put like 50 games on my phone. I don't know how to even put an app on my phone to begin with. I got to get my grandkids to do it for me, or my kids. Daddy, Grandpa, it's so easy here. Watch. Uh, just, just do it. I can't do it. But I don't know about Game of Thrones. I don't know about these games, but I ask you the question. Letter A, what will you win if you win? In your game, whatever game you're playing, maybe your game is sports. Maybe your game is work. Maybe your game is life. Maybe your game is fill in the blank. Everybody's playing the game. What do you get if you win? What if you win the Game of Thrones thing? What do you get? A star on your page, your paper? I mean, what happens? Oh, you get to go to another level? Oh boy, I get to go to another level. <laughs> well, what happens if you win? I think Ecclesiastes says it so well. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. All is vanity. So what happens if you win if win, what will you win if you win? Well, if you play the game of Christ on the throne, what happens to the winners? I'm going to tell you something. The reward's out of this world. The rewards are more than just passing. So then I ask you the last question, sub-question to point number five. What will you lose if you lose? What will you lose if you lose? You spend your whole life playing fantasy games. I buried many years ago now, enough years have gone by, I can finally start to tattle, as I call it, 
because I'm going back 31, 32, 33 years ago, early days of our church. I had a couple coming, and they were into, the couple was into race car driving. I'm talking about the little remote controlled. I'm talking about the car's about this big. And they actually have events and contests for these. This is 30-some years ago. They're coming back. It's actually a very sad story. They're coming back from a race. Their car, I forget whose fault it was. They got in a terrible accident. They were both killed on the spot. What happens when you spend your life doing something and in the end you lose? What's the profit? The Bible says, Mark 8, 36, For what shall a profit a man begin the whole world and lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Going back full circle and I'm wrapping up. So I forced myself. My wife tells me, Marty, you got to read. I, I, honey, I'm reading as much as I can read. I tell her that, and she says, you got to read. So I forced myself to read these articles that I don't care about Game of Thrones. I don't care. But it was a Christian article, so I figured, well, I better get educated and figure out what this is all about. So I read it. I didn't want to hear about MMA cage wrestling yesterday. But on purpose, I left the radio on for the minister, Mr. Tough Guy, who's out of the, he's not a promoter because he wasn't tough enough to keep at it, I guess. And I, I forced myself to listen to it. And I said to myself, as I'm listening to this, what a wasted life. C.T. Sud, the great athlete of, the, of, of England of 100 years ago, he is no fool, or rather, uh, uh, what does C.T. Sud say? Just, uh, just, no, that, that's, that's, oh, that's embarrassing. I was going to pull it off the top of my head. Only one life for Christ will soon be lost. La- only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. There it is, CT stud. I finally got it out. You see, invest your life. Here's the punchline of the message. I said as I read through Luke, and I read Luke chapter 1, I said to myself, I'm never going to be an expert on Game of Thrones. I'm never going to be an expert on cages, cage fighting. There's a whole lot of things I'll never know about. And I really don't care either. But I'm very content with playing my game of thrones, my game of life with Jesus at the helm, the captain of my salvation, the author and finisher of my faith. I'm content in knowing about him, learning about him. I'm serious about it. I'm, I know I'm not playing a fantasy game, but a real game. I love him and I love, love his kingdom. I want to play my game well. I want to finish my course with joy. And I want to win and not lose. And so I ask the question, and I say to you, the challenge, will you invest your life in a game that matters or a game that doesn't matter? I choose to invest my life in a game that matters. A game, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I guess there's at least 20 million Americans that are involved in another Game of Thrones, a game of gruesome, gory blood and guts and skin. There's tens of more millions of Americans that are involved in games that, Lord, on their phone that spend hundreds of hours, thousands of hours, days, and turns into weeks, turns into years of their life role-playing in fantasy games. Lord, there's just some of us that are just 
Lord, all trapped in uh, living a life, Lord, that's vain and full of vanities. The preacher Ecclesiastes said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Lord, make our lives count. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Help us to live and play our game very seriously. This game of thrones where Jesus Christ is on the throne of our life. I pray that you'd have your will, will, will and way in our lives, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand together, King, and then we'll